All right, good evening and welcome back to our study from the Gospel of John and Mark. Good to see you tonight. It's good to be here tonight. We are in John chapter 5, and so if you have your Bible, please open it up to chapter 5. Hopefully, you've already had an opportunity to read this chapter, but before we jump into the third sign that you see in this Gospel, there is a second sign or a second miracle that we didn't get to last week. We were talking mainly about the woman at the well, but there was a sign at the end of that chapter, and give us a quick synopsis. Well, it's interesting, at the end of John 4, uh, John says this again is a, a second sign mm -hmm. that Jesus has performed, and I think he's counting the ones that he wants to bring out. Right. And so this is going to be the second one he brings out. Uh, it says over in John 2 that there was a number of signs and things that he was doing in Jerusalem which brought Nicodemus to him saying, you're performing signs, you must be from God. But this is the second one that John mentions and that is the healing of the son of a royal officer uh, who had come into Cana to see Jesus. He wasn't even waiting for him to come to Capernaum where right. he was from. He heard that Jesus was in Cana and quickly goes down to him because Jesus' reputation already is that he's a healer, that he must be able to do things uh, that is also associated with healing. So he goes down to say to him, you know, my son has a fever. He's sick unto death, and I need for you to come to Capernaum. His level of faith appears to have been, you've got to be there on site uh, to heal sure. my son. Well, and probably uh, to his... You know, to his defense, most of Jesus' signs up until this time had probably been performed That's right. uh, that way. He was on site. But there is great emphasis by John in not only the man's faith, but also emphasis with respect to the miracle that the young man was healed yes. at the moment Jesus gave the command. Because that's what he asked his servants. Right. They come to him halfway back into Capernaum and said, your son is healed. And, of course, you can imagine how this makes the royal officer feel. But he has, he says to them, well, when was it? <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe in his own mind, I want to confirm that Jesus did this. And they say, well, it was the seventh hour. And yeah. he says, that's the time that Jesus said. That's when, when, that's when the fever left him. So yes. another reason to believe, and if you'll remember, uh, the overall thesis or point by John in this entire uh, book is that you may believe, and these are the signs uh, that John says he wants to share. So we have the miracle of Cana in chapter 2, we have the miracle of the healing of the sun uh, here in chapter 4, and so now we want to jump into chapter 5, which is really probably one of the more dramatic healings uh, that you're going to see in the letter from the stand, or in the book, uh, for in the, in the action of this healing, you have the plot Thickening. Yes. And the plot's going to get real thick toward those who hate Jesus. But let's begin by the setting. This is a feast, but probably not the Passover. Exactly. It says a feast of the Jews. And I'm thinking that that does not mean the Passover because that's usually referred to as the feast of the Passover. If this is Purim, which may have been, uh, it's just a month or so before um, the feast of the Passover. So this still could be used as a dating uh, way of saying that the Lord's uh, ministry may have been three, three and a half right. years. But 
people like to, those scholars like to make this the feast of the Passover, so that makes three Passovers that Jesus attended or was part of, but I don't think this is the Passover. Well, and if it's Purim, then that certainly takes us back to the story of Esther, uh, and, and you see the idea of God providing a providential care for his people there in helping them avoid the, well, just the atrocity of what he was And the other point is, if this is Purim, Jesus was there. Yes. And this is not God ordaining a feast. Yeah. But it was a feast that the Jews uh, observed, and there is Jesus. And there is there. Jesus there. Now, what else is kind of neat to me about this is all the setup that John gives us with respect to the setting. Uh, Bethesda, one of the gates. Yeah. So you have one of the gates of the city, one of the gates that certainly would surround uh, the temple complex and, and everything uh, about it. Bethesda simply meaning house of mercy. House of mercy. Uh, and really, you could almost make a point that Jesus is making the yes. stance that he is the house of mercy. But you have the colonnades and all the people, and everybody's gathered around this pool. And this is the question I've been waiting for you to answer for everybody all week. We're going to get it right now, folks. Explain to us the stirring of the waters. Well, I'm going to explain it in the fact that in, in the American Standard, it's not there. <laughs> oh, in the old cop-out. That's right. Well, it's not really a cop-out because actually... The one who was healed referred to it. Right. It hasn't been stirred, or if it is stirred, I can't get there because I am too lame to get there and somebody beats me to it. So there must have been a tradition, uh, at least, that people could come there and be part of that place and an angel of the Lord, quote unquote, coming down and stirring the water and then it's interesting that they would say the first one that gets the water hits the water gets the heal. I just, I don't see the Lord is doing that, but, but that was the tradition of the time. So a lot of people were there uh, at the pool to be in the stirred water. Right. And there is, I, I threw that out there just to have some fun with Mark. It's not in all the manuscripts, but the idea that's really being presented by John, I believe, is this. You have a longing a longing and a desire for healing, and people are looking desperately for a place to be healed, to be made whole. Yes. Jesus comes into this setting. He comes in to break up this, what you might call hocus-pocus tradition yes. or whatever was taking place, and he comes in as the true healer. And, and what, what amazes me is that that means a lot of people were there. Yes, and, and I think that's John's point. Yeah, a lot, of people, a lot of people were there, and why did he pick this man? What a fortunate event for this man that he would be chosen out of this group by Jesus to be healed. But I think it's because Jesus is going to show these people his power, and that's the intent here, that I am the, I am the one that can bring salvation and healing processes and I'm going to use this particular man because he may have been the worst of the bunch. Here's a lame man for 38 years can hardly move and the Lord says, do you want to be healed? Yeah. That's an interesting question. Not That's everybody would answer that yeah. the way he did. Well, if you think about it, you, you would almost say, well, duh. Yeah. That's why I'm here. I want to be healed. Why would you ask me do I want to be healed? But 
Jesus is going to ask something yeah. of him. And then when Jesus reconnects with him, this is where it gets even more powerful. And to me, this is the stirring of the water yes. when Jesus says to him, now don't sin. That's right. Because by sinning, you make it worse. Yes. And what's his point? Just, you know, look, I gave you physical healing. The last thing you want to do now is go out and do something to yourself spiritually that it would be worse condemnation to you right. than just being uh, plain. Right. And now that you're able to walk, you're able to get back That's into right. duty and service. Now, one more big point in this story, and this is what John brings out to us. We see this in all the Gospels. And here's the great bugaboo in the eyes of our Lord's critics. Jesus, healing, okay, but not on the Sabbath. That's right. Here, it's amazing to me, a man of 38 years that everyone around there would have been familiar with. Sure. And lo and behold, there he is walking in the temple with his palate. And it's not the Pharisees saying, oh, Look at you. Yeah. You've been laying and down your healed. Praise the Lord. Praise God for your healing. It's why are you walking around here with your palate? Yeah. That's this is labor. You're you're laboring on the Sabbath. And whoever healed you yeah, had to be laboring. laboring. Yes. So let's spend a moment just real quick discussing this. Uh, if you can look at other places, actually, this isn't the only time Jesus has talked about sins and telling somebody to rise and yeah. walk and, and being the one who encourages a sinless lifestyle. Uh, he even told a fellow, and you'll see this in Luke's account, where he said, you know, your sins are forgiven. Yes, sir. Uh, and so you see that. But more importantly, the focus here is the Sabbath. And there's a misunderstanding of the purpose of the Sabbath, clearly by me. Very much so. And these are the Judean Jerusalem Jews. You understand this is the fifth chapter. We're going to be seeing down here as we talk about this that they're ready to kill him already. Yes. Verse so, 16. So with this one and the few healings, they're feeling uneasy about Jesus, but they're using the Sabbath as, as a means of saying you are disobeying the law. You are going past the law. And Jesus doesn't take it up here, but if you go uh, to Matthew 12 and to Mark 2, he takes it up, right. and he talks about the Sabbath and saying, wait a minute, I, I'm number one, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. That doesn't mean that I can do anything I want to on the Sabbath, but it means you have a misunderstanding of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. You're making the Sabbath something that the man has to to observe, i.e., I cannot labor, I cannot do anything. So your rabbinical people have made 32 sins out of certain <laughs> different labors that you can do. Labor, so you can't do any kind of labor. It says, in these other passages, the Lord says, are you out of your mind? Every week, yeah. the, the priest labor on the Sabbath. And isn't there some irony here also in the fact that nobody argues that Jesus healed the man? No. Uh, and if you think about it, they saw that it must be an angel stirring the waters, that miraculously would heal people with the waters. And here is our Lord, the true messenger, if you will, coming down from the Lord and healing somebody. And we're going to sit here and argue this. It kind of goes back to the idea that it's easy for us, as well as we see that certainly 
uh, with the Jews here, it's easy for us to misunderstand some of our Lord's commands. And misunderstand, as the Lord will tell us in another occasion, as Mark said in the Gospel of Mark, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Exactly. And, and we, also, we also see the pharisaical attitude here yeah. of you have committed a sin, you by healing, and you by taking up your pallet and walking, and, and what the man says is, look, if somebody heals me, I'm going to do what he tells me to do. If he told me to pick up my pallet and walk, I'm picking up my pallet and walking. This guy's brother or cousin or probably relative <laughs> is the guy in John 9. He's going to say the same thing. Now, I'm just being facetious there, but it's the same kind of attitude. That's if right. somebody heals me, you know, I'm going to do what he says. That's right. You know, and that should, that should grab our attention. Now, what's the message in the sign? This is what we would like for you to think about. A sign is a message. It's pointing to something greater. So... If this miracle in and itself is a sermon pointing to something greater, well, what's it pointing to? I'd say, number one, it's pointing to the one who is the true healer, Jesus. Yes. And that's obvious in this particular message that John is trying to get across. I can heal you. I can heal you body and soul. And he, he's already said to him to go out and sin no more. So uh, he is warning him of that, but I am the healer. And he's going to go on and talk about all the things that he is as far as the Son of God is concerned, but that's the sign that I think that John is trying to get across. Here he is. He can heal. And it's kind of ironic, but I think another message in the sign is it all takes place in Bethesda, the house of mercy. There's no mercy being shown by the Jews. No. But Jesus is the one who shows the mercy and, and there's a great message in that that we all need to bear in mind, uh, that our Lord is a merciful Lord who can heal us of our greatest ailments and give us the ability to walk again uh, in new life. So anything else you want to say? About well, whatever is going on here in verse 18, they're taking it as we're seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father. So... Yeah. Somewhere in here, although John has not mentioned it, he has called on the Father in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then it says, making himself equal with God. And that leads John into his next discussion. All right, so let's get into it from verses 19, really, to the end of the chapter. And we don't have a lot of time here, but what we want you to see, and this is what John does, is John shares the story John doesn't exactly write like many writers as the plot thickens and here comes the big dilemma. John takes you to the end of the story real quick. Here's what's happening. Here's who did it. Here's how it all transpired. And we know that they're conspiring to kill him. And they're conspiring to kill him because he's making himself equal to God. And this is important for us to see. Jesus isn't just Jesus, a good man. No. In these verses, John reveals his discourse that he is God. So he is, first of all, creator. We saw that in chapter 1. But here in chapter 5, he's a judge. And he will be a judge. And we will be judged by what he says. But he's also he the giver of life. life. Yeah, he's a giver of life. Yeah. And there's, God is deserving of honor. So is his son. And so I should receive the same honor that he does. If the key is, 
as you, I think, mentioned in one of our lessons, we've got two verses here of truly, truly. He just, <laughs> he just took my next point. He, he's trying <laughs> to get across. If he says truly, truly, we need to be listening. And 25 is a truly, truly that he just took that from me. Yeah. Uh, yes, the truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, don't you think that caught people's attention? Yes. Probably they had no idea what he meant, but he grabbed their attention. And then what our Lord is going to do is he's going to begin to talk about resurrection. Yes. And so it's almost as if John's saying, you know, Jesus was talking about this all along. We yes. just didn't get it. That's right. End. Well, I think that in 24, he's talking about uh, pass out of death into life. If you're believing in me, you become a new person. Right. And so I see two resurrections here. I see the initial resurrection of the physical life and spiritual life right. that, that we can join. But then at the last of this, he certainly is talking about the judgment day as well. So we want to have transformed ourselves into that spiritual life. So then at the end, we can be part of that spiritual life forever, that second resurrection. Well, and that's his point to the man who was healed. Now, I think this is important. Everyone, no matter how they were healed by Jesus, every single one of them, eventually died. Yes. But whatever the healing was, no matter how miraculous it was, even if you brought somebody back to life, they eventually died. The physical healing is not salvation. No. It's simply a message pointing you to the true healing. And that's Jesus' point. Yes. I believe here. I've come to provide for you a true healing, a true resurrection, a true life. Well, he, he calls himself, I am the way, the life. I am the life. Yeah. And so what life is he? Well, he can give you spiritual life, but he also is the provider of eternal life. And so we, when he starts talking about life to us, we need to understand that life that he's talking about to us is that eternal life that he can prov provide for us. And so in a way, you apply every single one of these signs to your own life. Yes. And the Lord is speaking to us, and that's John's point, to rekindle that fire within our belly, to continue to believe and continue to press on. Now, from verses uh, 30 through the end of the chapter, uh, Jesus is going to talk about witnessing. And his witness here is, he says, don't listen to what I have to say. That's right. Go look at the Father. Listen to what the Father is going to say. Uh, look at the testimony of those around me. You're even going to go and look at uh, the prophets and others. And, and Jesus is imploring men to weigh the evidence. That's right. Well, and here he says, you know, there's another who bears witness to me, which I think is God in verse 32. And he says, John has been sent. I will give yes. you that. John proclaimed me. He's another witness. There's a witness. There's a witness. But then it's not just John. There's a greater witness, which is God. But also, look at my works. Yep. He says this in other places, um, that whatever you think of me, look at the works that I perform. Uh, and the word of God, they are going to tell you who I am. Right. And not just the works, but look in Scripture itself. Yes. In, in verse 38, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they 
and bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And uh, well, he's going to go on to say that sure. towards the end of the chapter. You've got Moses. I'm not going to be your judge. Yeah. It's going to be Moses. Moses has talked about me in Scripture, and you're totally ignoring what he has said. Well, his own apostles did the very same thing. Sure. That after his resurrection, what did he do? I He had to go to the Scriptures to say to them, it's there in Scripture, and, and it just had to be quite a revealing to even his own apostles. And, and this isn't the only time that Jesus is going to do this. And this is really our Lord's admonition to all of us. You've got to get in the text. Yes. You've got to get in the text and, and look at how the Scripture directs your life and speaks of me. And then in John 12, he's going to even emphasize it even more that it'll be the Word that will judge you. You don't need to worry about me it's judging right. you, coming down on you. No. It's the word it's itself. Right. And so hopefully you'll and you guys, you already have the word and you're not listening to Moses. So, anything else you have from uh, John 5? No, I think that we... We tried to cover a lot of ground real quick. Yes, I think we hit the high point. Take home this with you. Uh, and then we're going to make some announcements here in a moment. But I would say take home this with you. Uh, this is a healing. A healing at the house of mercy. Uh, it's a healing that gives somebody the ability to live again and to live vivaciously. And, and our Lord provides that. And he provides that to all of us when we recognize how he redeems us and washes away our sins. So go and sin no more. That's right. And it's almost, to some degree, kind of the same message to the woman at the well. You know, uh, I am merciful. I am merciful. Go and sin no more. Yes. And that's not saying that there's not bad things that may happen to us in this life. But in the end, I have eternal life. And if... And I am the merciful one, and I can give you eternal life if you just do what I've told you to do. Yeah, yeah. All right, so hopefully we've inspired you to dig a little deeper in the Word, and maybe you have a little better insight until this, into this chapter. We want to close with just a quick update of what's been going on here uh, on Sunday. Sunday we had a large crowd. Not at 8.30, though. No. Uh, 8.30 had a smaller crowd, but uh, at our 10 o'clock service, we had over 160 uh, in the auditorium, so it was fairly full, and we just want to thank everybody for your cooperation, uh, everybody's attitude and the ability to get here early and take a seat and social distance has been wonderful, uh, but we want especially all of our younger families, especially our moms and, and dads with small children, that the nursery is there, and if you need the nursery for, uh, especially your moms with nursing, uh, we want you to know uh, about that, and then also the front section here and in the side section and even the back wall has been reserved for our uh, families with small children. And I've, I've got to say a lot of our families uh, with small children uh, were here Sunday. So that was a wonderful sight to behold. And, uh, and so the VBS class at the beginning of the 10 is going well and had a good, uh, had a good first uh, high school class. And let, let me just say this about the 830. <clears throat> we have couched that in caution and this is primarily for the older people. Yes, but those of you at the 10 o'clock hour, if you're getting uncomfortable as far as, uh, as the amount of people and the concern for the social distancing, believe us, brethren, it's, it's not that we want for you to have to socially distance. It's not that we want for you to have to be wearing masks and that sort of thing. We are just continuing to do 
what we've been asked to do, and that's to be cautious, and we will continue to do that. But if you would like to come to the to the 8 o'clock, 8.30 worship, please feel free to do that. The only difference is going to be that we, at any age, would ask you to wear your mask as that cautionary process for the older people. Uh, we have told the older that we want them to feel comfortable in coming. But if we have 100 people here, we can easily socially distance at 8.30. So if you want to come at 8.30, feel free to do that. We'll be happy to have you here. Just you will be wearing a mask. All right. Well, thank you so very much for joining us. And uh, please just let us know if we can do anything uh, for you or your family or if you've got any ideas so uh, about how we can keep communicating. Uh, at this time. But thank you so much for participating in this study. You got anything else? That's it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Have a wonderful evening and God bless. Good night.